We have an exciting subject to talk about today. Here it is. Our most important opportunities may come when we least expect them. That's our theme today. Our most important opportunities may come when we least expect them. Several months ago, I was sharing with you a wonderful series from Genesis on a very important character. Who was that? Remember? Joseph, right? And I did not have time to get to this particular message, but I have felt I need to communicate the following truth to you. And so here we go today. The reality is, in terms of this theme, our most important opportunities may come when we least expect them. That happened with Joseph. It happened with him. Joseph had been sold into slavery by his own brothers when he was only 17 years old. Joseph had been purchased by Potiphar, who was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He worked for Potiphar probably about three years until Potiphar's wife, unfortunately, falsely accused him of attempted rape. And he was thrown into jail, thrown in, into jail, when he was about 20 years of age. Genesis chapter 40 tells us of how when Joseph was in prison, he interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker, who had also been put in jail for somehow offending or upsetting the king. Joseph correctly interpreted their dreams, and the cupbearer was soon released from prison just as Joseph told him he would be. Joseph had asked the cupbearer to please explain to the Pharaoh when he got out of jail, to explain that Joseph had done nothing wrong to be in jail. Uh, Genesis 40, verse 23, however, sadly says this. It says, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Genesis 41, verse 1, tells us that two full years after the cupbearer got out of prison and was restored to his very important position um, that he had served in previously, he was restored to the position of chief cupbearer in uh, the king's palace, the king, known as Pharaoh, had some dreams at that point and no one, no one could interpret them, none of his regular staff. The king's chief cupbearer finally remembered how Joseph had perfectly interpreted his dream while he had been in prison. He probably thought he could score some more brownie points with the king by providing him with a person who could interpret his dreams. And by then, Joseph had been in prison about 10 years, probably wondering if he would ever get out. Finally, after two years since the chief cupbearer had been released from prison and was, and, uh, and was supposed to help Joseph get out, but the cupbearer forgot. The Bible says, forgot all about Joseph, never giving, never giving him another thought. Finally, after a total of 10 years for wrongful imprisonment, 
Genesis chapter 41, verse 14 says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. He was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Until this point, we, we, we could say Joseph's life had gone from riches to rags. Now, finally, after 13 years since he was sold into slavery, his life was finally going to start to go from rags to riches. The Lord helped Joseph to correctly interpret the Pharaoh's dreams. Dreams which essentially said Egypt was going to have seven great years of prosperity. Genesis 41, verses 30 and 31 say this. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity, all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe, the Bible says, that even the memory of the good years will be erased. Now, look at how the story further unfolds. In Genesis chapter 41, beginning at verse 33, Joseph is speaking here, and here is what it says. Verse 33. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Joseph is speaking. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouse. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise this famine will destroy the land." Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man, so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Verse 43 that we read says, Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. 
I just kind of thought about this. I, I wonder, I wonder if Joseph got his personalized chariot license plate. Maybe it said Joe-2, meaning Joseph, second in command. What do you think? Maybe, right? Anyway, because of God working uh, through Joseph, millions of people's lives in Egypt, Canaan, and the surrounding areas were saved from starvation during that seven years of famine. God used Joseph in that beautiful way. All right. I want to take your mind back to Genesis 41, verse 14, when finally, after 10 years, Joseph was released from prison. Genesis 41, 14 says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. Several months ago, when I was studying Genesis 41, I read the following powerful statement by a commentator writing in the Life Application Study Bible. This commentator, in terms of verse 14, said the following, and this is what's been on my mind for several months now. He said, Our most important opportunities may come when we least expect them. Joseph had been in prison for 10 years. He had no idea when and if he would ever be released. And then suddenly he was called out of prison for a specific purpose. Think about this idea that our most important opportunities may come when we least expect them. Think about this for the next few minutes with me. As, as I've thought about this, I thought, this is so true. When I was a 15-year-old teenager, I was attending the Kennedy Road Church of the Nazarene here in Toronto, Canada, and our pastor asked if I would like to go to what is now called Nazarene Youth Congress or Youth Conference, which at that time was being held in Estes Park, Colorado. I managed to scrape together the necessary money, and in the upcoming summer, Pastor Wes and Joy Campbell of our Grace Church of the Nazarene in the West End of Toronto drove a minibus with about, I think, about 24 of us young people from Ontario Nazarene churches. He drove us all the way from Toronto to Estes Park, Colorado. It was my first time, my first time in the United States. And I remember how soon after we crossed the, uh, the, we crossed the American border, we stopped at a fast food restaurant for a meal. We ate outside at some picnic tables, and I remember, I remember watching some ants, A-N-T-S. <laughs> I remember watching some ants, and I thought, and I thought, wow, these are American ants. They're American ants, and they look like Canadian ants. 
I know. That was a brilliant observation, wasn't it? <laughs> Eventually, after a very long drive over, I can't remember if it was two or three days, we finally reached the big campgrounds in Estes Park, Colorado. I think there were about 2,000 young people from Nazarene churches all over the United States and Canada. Each day we had a schedule consisting of Bible study, prayer, worship times, recreation, and friendship building. I went to Nazarene Youth Conference not really knowing what to expect. I really didn't know what to expect, but very open to growing spiritually, to make new friends, and of course to have fun with the other youth who were going. Strange, I, I still remember how the main musical group which sang in all of our worship times at that conference, the main musical group was called The Lost and Found. They were a wonderful singing group. I was so impressed with them from one of our Nazarene colleges down in the United States. During one of the evening church services, about 2,000 of us students gathered in that large, rustic campground auditorium. I cannot recall who preached in that service or what music we sang, but I recall I recall very clearly how towards the end of the service, that church service, the Lord made it very clear to me that someday I, Nick Stavropoulos, needed to preach the gospel and to become a pastor in the church of the Nazarene. I remember kind of having a conversation with the Lord in which I said something like, I said, God, I've only been a Christian for a few months. I haven't been raised with much religion. I don't know the Bible very well. God, why in the world would you want me to preach the gospel and to be a pastor? That was a big puzzle for me. I went back to my sleeping room that night knowing what God's will was for my life. In the years that followed, God confirmed to me again and again and again throughout high school and university that eventually I needed to preach and to become a pastor. I told you that story because it illustrates how in my own life, in my own life, one of the most important opportunities in my life came when I least expected it. When I attended that weekday evening church service, I had no idea that at that place of worship, God was going to make it very clear to me the direction my life was going to take. I wasn't even looking for God's direction at that point. I had intended to eventually go into the medical field, but... That evening, as a young teenager, God made it known to me what I should eventually do. And the question was, would I trust and obey? Would I? 
I told you that story, my dear friend, to say that when I went to that Nazarene Youth Conference that summer, I certainly did not expect that towards the end of the church service, God would do something which, which literally, literally determined the direction of my life. The point is this. Our most important opportunities may come when we least expect them. Be on the alert for that reality. Stay alert to this great possibility. When I was in my third year of studies at the University of Toronto, working on a Bachelor of Science degree, I was also singing in a musical group called Tribute, Tribute. It was a singing group of mostly high school and university students from our Kennedy Road Church of the Nazarene in Toronto. That's where I attended. That's where I came to faith and trust in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I think we had 15 or 16 singers in that choir. We practiced on a weeknight, probably from, uh, I think it was 7 to 9 p.m., sometimes till 9.30, and we sang in southern Ontario churches about once or twice a month. The pastor's wife, Mrs. Jerry Nicholas, oh, I have such wonderful memories of her. Mrs. Nicholas was, uh, was our wonderful director. All of our singers were from our Kennedy Road Church of the Nazarene, but one day, one day, a young lady by the name of Cindy Keyes from the Wesley Chapel Free Methodist Church in Toronto heard us give a concert somewhere, and she said to herself, boy, I, I, wish, I wish I could be in that wonderful singing group. One of the existing singers in our group was a friend of hers, and um, I'm sure that increased her interest. Cindy contacted our music director, Mrs. Nicholas, and asked her if she could join our youth and university-aged choir. Mrs. Nicholas auditioned Cindy to see if, in fact, she could sing, which we appreciated. Fortunately, Cindy passed the test, the test of singing, and she started coming to our weekly rehearsals. It just so happened that our choir director had Cindy stand next to me on, on one side, and there was another young lady on the other side. If I remember correctly, at first... Although Cindy was young and pretty, I don't know if I've ever told anyone this. I don't know if my wife's going to beat me up after hearing this. But anyway, I'll have to take my whips afterwards, maybe. But anyway, I remember at first, although Cindy was young and pretty, I, I don't think, I don't recall liking her very much. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like her. Now you might ask, 
Well, why not? Why not? Well, I don't think I liked her very much because after attending two or three rehearsals, Cindy started to become very friendly with the young lady who sang on the other side of me, and she became very friendly with, with the other singers as well. She was a jovial young lady, which was good, but during, during rehearsals, Cindy and a few of the others started to, quote, goof off. They just kind of clowned around, you know. They weren't, just to be, you know, clear, they weren't doing bad things, but I was, I was very serious at that stage in my life. And I would say to Cindy and a few of the others, I would say things like, look, Cindy and group, look, after we finish this choir practice, I have about five to six hours of homework to do. I got to get home, do my homework. Please, don't goof off, okay? Don't goof off. Let's learn our music for our upcoming concert so I can get home to do my homework. And others of you probably have homework to do as well. And Cindy, Cindy would say kind of, yes, sir, yes, sir, okay? Anyway, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't want to have fun with them. It was just that I had a, a full university course load with demanding subjects like biochemistry and uh, many other wonderful science uh, subjects. As well, I had, I had a lot of responsibilities, by the way, in my local church, at Kennedy Road Church. Uh, besides singing in the youth choir, I, I taught our grade seven and eight Sunday school class. I was, in the, I was on the church board and on the Sunday school board. I led the open session in the youth Sunday school department. Um, I sang in our regular adult choir, and I used to do fixed jobs in our church building as needed, things like that. So the bottom line was, with my university schoolwork and volunteer church responsibilities, I was always pressed for time. And so when I went to youth choir practices, I did not want, I did not want Cindy or anyone else wasting my time by clowning around and just goofing off. Mainly because I was so busy, I definitely was not. I definitely was not looking for a girlfriend, and for sure I was not looking for a wife. No. One day at the youth choir practice, I jokingly said to Cindy and to the young lady on my other side, I jokingly said, girls, if you two behave yourselves tonight, and we're able to finish practicing sooner than later. After practice, I'll take you to McDonald's for a treat. Now, I had only been kidding. I was just kidding. But as soon as our director said the practice is finished, the two girls looked at me and said, okay, we've been good. You said you would take us to McDonald's, so you have to keep your word. I thought, oh my, they're serious. So we went to McDonald's. We went to McDonald's. I paid. Wasn't that so generous of me? <laughs> we went to McDonald's, and the, 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 to make a you know, story shorter than longer, uh, I, uh, I, started, I started to date about 
once a week. Cindy and I started to date about once a week, or maybe it was actually once every two weeks. She probably would say it was once every two weeks. I, I just didn't have the time to date more often. So we dated, we dated for about a year, and then after graduating from the University of Toronto, I moved to Kansas City, Missouri, to go to Nazarene Theological Seminary to prepare to become a pastor. To shorten the story, three years later, Cindy and I got married, and Cindy moved to Kansas City to be with me for my fourth year of seminary studies. And while there, Cindy worked part-time in the school library, and she also audited some Bible courses. All right. Why did I tell you about my love life? Why did I tell you? Here's why. When Cindy first started to sing in our youth choir with me, as far as I recall, I had no thoughts of Cindy ever becoming my girlfriend, and certainly not my wife. But those of you at Rosewood Church who know Cindy, especially for many years, know that Cindy has been a great help and a great blessing to us at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. She's been a wonderful help across the years, and she's been a, a marvelous mother to our two children and also a great-grandmother to our four little grandchildren now. So, my friends, my story with Cindy points us to this very important truth. As far as I recall, I don't think I've ever told this before. It, it points to this important truth, and it is this. Our most important opportunities may come when we least expect them. When we least expect them. Do you see, do you see that uh, man or woman at your workplace that you don't like, for those of you who are single? Or uh, do you see that single man or woman in, in your apartment or condo building that seems a little weird? Do you see that person at school or at church uh, when we're able to safely meet again in church, by the way? I was remembering how a couple in our church whose wedding I performed initially met when they worked together on a particular committee during our building project. It's incredible. Something good happened during a committee meeting. <laughs> it could be. It could be that one of your most important opportunities may come when you least expect it. Believe it. Now obviously our country and many other countries, in fact the whole world, has been battling the COVID-19 virus for over three months. Some countries much longer. Recently one of the news networks interviewed a man who had been preparing to start a fast food restaurant just as the COVID-19 pandemic hit Toronto. I, I, as far as I recall, 
his uh, shop, his restaurant is here in Toronto somewhere. This, this restaurant, new restaurant owner spoke of how he had worked so hard to get his restaurant to open up, and then the government order was given that, that said restaurants could no longer have customers sit in the dining room area so as to help reduce the spread of the virus. Now he thought that perhaps his dream of owning and operating a restaurant was almost crushed, almost crushed even before he opened up. And then he said to himself, what if, what if I focus my business on takeout and online orders? So that's what he did. That's what he did. When the television news people interviewed him, he said he and his staff had so many orders for takeout and online orders, business was booming, he said. He talked about how even when the government allows him to open up the seating area in his new restaurant, he, he really wasn't sure. He wasn't sure if perhaps he might just stick to takeout and online um, because, online food orders that is, just because he didn't know if he could actually keep up with business in the dining room and online and, and on pickup orders. What did that new restaurant owner discover? He discovered that one of the most important opportunities in his life came when he least expected it. It came at the start of a major pandemic. My friends, we are still, we are still in the middle of a pandemic with COVID-19. It is possible that you have not been expecting, it's possible that you have not been expecting uh, some great opportunity during this difficult time in history. Many people have not been expecting anything good. I wonder, I wonder if with God's help, with the Lord's help, I wonder if this might be the time when God will bring, the Lord might bring healing to your body. A healing that you've needed for many years. Or, I wonder if during this pandemic, God will help you to find just the right job even though many jobs have been lost during COVID-19. Amen? I wonder if some married couple uh, who, um, who have been so disappointed and have not been able to have a baby for several years, I wonder if you will discover that at, at last, last, you are pregnant and you are expecting. I wonder if someone who has lived with a, a broken relationship in the family or with, or with broken relationship with some previous friend, I wonder if you will experience forgiveness and will have that relationship restored. Amen? 
I wonder if you are someone who has left Jesus out of your life until this point. But today, you are ready. You are ready to repent of your sins and to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I wonder if that's you. Somehow, somehow you joined us today for this service at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene here in Toronto. And today can be your opportunity to become a sincere follower of Jesus. You see, our most important opportunities may come when we least expect them. Take this opportunity to put your faith and trust in Jesus, would you? If the following prayer expresses the desire of your heart and mind, would you pray it? Would you pray it after me? I'm going to keep my eyes open. But if this prayer expresses what you really want to experience in your life, please pray it line by line after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I realize this is, this is a great opportunity that maybe I didn't expect. But today, I choose to ask you to forgive me for my sins. I repent of my sins. Lord, I want you to help me change my life where it needs to be changed. And I believe I can be forgiven because Jesus, your son, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I believe, I believe in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Come into my life, dear Lord. Come into my heart. I want to live my life devoted to you. And I thank you for the promise of heaven. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you send us a note? Send me a note, Pastor Nick. You can send the note by going to rosewoodchurch.ca. Send us an email or a letter, whatever you wish. We want to begin to help you grow spiritually. May God bless you, and may you truly remember that our most important opportunities may come when we least expect them.